0: Welcome everyone, thanks for listening I'm very excited about our next guest I've known him for a long time He's been working in the financial services industry for many, many years And has been at the top of many of the leadership positions within the industry And he is Guy Baker with Wealth Teams here in Irvine, California And today we're going to talk about why managing markets is better than buying individual stocks Guy, welcome to the show
1: Well, nice to be here Bill. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me and in, uh, for that kind introduction. <laughs> well, Guy,
0: <laughs> you've, you've been uh, uh, the icon in this area and certainly in national positions with so many organizations. You're always willing to help out and, and get involved. And one of the things that we've talked about recently is this, this market. And boy, the stock market is up and down and all around. But before we get into that, tell us about Wealth Teams and what do you do and who do you do it for?
1: Well, Wealth Teams is a registered investment advisory firm, and what I learned years ago was that the types of clients that we work with who are typically owners of businesses or high net worth families have two sides to their financial statement. They've got the assets and they've got the liabilities, and For years and years, Bill, and I think we even talked about this, I think, I stayed away from the asset side because I just couldn't find anything that made any sense to help my clients. And then in 1992, I got exposed through a seminar to a process that's backed by four Nobel Prizes now, and I just went nuts over it. It was just just what I was looking for. I thought this made all sorts of sense for my clients. So we started doing both sides, the asset side and the liability side. So on the liability side, you know, we help people figure out how to manage their taxes, their business succession, you know all the issues that they have to deal with that you know create uh, fear and loss and and concerns for them. And then on the asset side, we help them uh, keep their money and grow it. Well, Guy, I've known you for a long time, and I remember way back when. I think I still have a
0: copy of it in a file drawer. You always talked about the three circles of wealth, and it was a very compelling talk. Can you explain that briefly for our listeners?
1: Sure. I mean, essentially, it kind of goes back to just what I was saying, the asset and the liability side. You know, when we meet people, the first thing that uh, I always try and establish is that people are so busy being successful, they don't have time to really pay attention to all the changes that keep promulgating out of government with regulations and tax laws and all that type of stuff. And so they end up with a plan by default instead of a plan by design. And this is very frustrating. Underneath all that is what I call the three circles of wealth, which is wealth accumulation, you know what they're doing to build wealth, wealth succession, how they're managing that wealth and what they're going to do to pass that management on. And that could be a business or it could be a family office or whatever. And then the third one is uh, wealth preservation, how they're going to keep together what they put together. So what happens is each one of those circles in- ends up acting independently. They've got advisors Uh, in each one of them that are specialists, that know exactly what's going on there, that uh, sometimes they cross over, but very rarely do they. And as a result of that, each one becomes an isolated island unto itself. They've got their own fees. They've got their own goals. They've got their own objectives. And as a result of that, they become unintegrated, and there's inefficiencies that are built up. So what we do is we take a look at each of those three circles and find ways to make them more efficient and effective, and to make sure that they're on track with that plan that was by default, that was really supposed to be by design.
0: Listeners, do you see why people love this guy?
1: (laughs) Everything is so clear.
0: That was the the very clear explanation about what everybody out there is going through. All the business owners that I know are going through exactly that. And, Guy, you explained it so clearly. It's like you've done it before.
1: Uh, Once. (laughs) So, Guy... (laughs) Tell me a little bit about
0: this uh, managing markets, because a lot of people are concerned. I mean, there's no yield in the bond market. There's no yield in the bank market, the money markets. And the stock market, people are worried that uh, any day the sky could fall. I mean, we're not that far off from 2008. So tell us about the process that you found and and how it's, it's better than what people are used to out there.
1: Well, I I love this subject. I could uh, take a lot longer than you're going to give me. But, um, you know, essentially what it boils down to more than anything else is what type of capital do you have? Uh, You know, some people are just speculators, and all they want to do is just, you know, roll the dice and hit the home run, and they're really good at it. Uh, They've got a great track record. And, you know, those types of people are, are not really meant, to uh, fall into this category of managing markets. You know, others uh, have a belief system that there's a guru out there that really knows what the, what's going on in the market and can anticipate it and they can profit from it. And those people probably are not prospects for, you know, what we do. The people that are most uh, tuned in to what uh, what I call managing markets and not stocks are people who have the philosophical belief that the markets go up, the markets go down, and if I just am in the market and can be in there at low fees with low turnover, that over the long run I'm going to turn out great. And all of the evidence shows this is true. If you go back to, I mean, as far as 1925, 26. A dollar invested in the markets compounded at about 10%. So, you know, where can you go to get a 10% effective IRR over a 90-year period of time? I think almost anybody would say, gee, if I could have gotten that, I'd be really happy. So our process takes that methodology and then applies the Nobel Prize uh, research and data. And what it does is, um, you know, I, I think of it like this, Bill. Where do you shop? for food typically grocery store market. grocery store mm-hmm. well grocery store but anyway you know what no matter which one it is Albertsons or Vons or whatever okay so when you go in there they got a meat department they got a poultry department they've got a, a produce department they got a dairy department i mean you can buy you know everything in that supermarket because it is a supermarket and so the stock market's the same thing you've got large caps you've got small caps you've got value you've got growth And not all of them are created equal over long periods of time. And so what we do is we break the market into smaller markets and then figure out the correlation between each of those markets as to how they're going to perform together over a long period of time and then build a market-based portfolio on all of those metrics. And we've just found that if you follow what's called the efficient frontier you get great results over the long run. We've been so doing not, this 20 years.
0: So it's not about the... A lot of people think, well, it's, it's being in the right place at the right time, but it's, it's being in the right place all the time, right?
1: That's exactly right. That's a great way to say it.
0: Okay. So, uh, so for people that are concerned uh, these days, they look at their, say, 401K statements, and they, they see, well, stocks are up... It, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you another question. Uh, <clears throat> has technology put too much information into the hands of the average investing consumer?
1: Well, I don't ever think you can have too much information. The, you know, there's, there's a difference between data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. And if you think of a pyramid with wisdom at the top and data at the bottom, uh, and then you kind of go up that pyramid, you know, what you do with data and, and uh, information, it, you know, who knows what you do with that. I mean, you, you know, you've, you've got to have a process to understand it and do something with it. So it takes knowledge to do that, and not everybody has the knowledge to process uh, the information and the data. And then once you have the knowledge, what about the wisdom? So, you know, you, you, can, you can get data and information and knowledge on the Internet. You can't get wisdom.
0: <clears throat> Let me rephrase uh, has it put has it put too much control in the hands? Another, here's what I'm getting at. Does the average consumer really understand what they're doing when they move from stocks to bonds and bonds to stocks? These days in 401k plans, uh, widespread panic can ensue in a matter of minutes with a click of a mouse because people hear bad news and don't know how to react to it. Where before they used to have to go to somebody, uh, even write a letter to make a change or make a phone call to make a change. Has this created yeah. a a turbulent market?
1: Oh, I don't know that it's created a turbulent market, I think the markets are turbulent anyway uh mm-hmm. I, I think what it does is it creates turbulent investors <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I mean, I think the, the market the market's the market, and you know that's the great thing about uh the stock market is is that it always is reflective every day of its true value uh and the more people you got coming in and out, the more the closer it gets to its true value every day. In fact, uh, Eugene Fama got a Nobel Prize basically on that concept. But uh, but I you know, I hear your question. So here's the way I'd like to answer it. If you invested a dollar in the stock market over the last 90 years, it would be worth about $4,000 today. If you invested it in uh if you well, I shouldn't say that. So it would be worth $4,000 a day. If you missed the 34 best months out of the last, you know, 90 years, it would be worth $16 today. So the question is, is it worth it to jump in and out when the market has been so steady in reality over long, long periods of time? And I can show you chart after chart after chart that shows you that the turbulence, once it works itself out, you know, is a very upward slope. hmm
0: Does the baby boomer trend of of so many people reaching age 50 to 67, 68 now, what do you think it looks like down the road as, as so many baby boomers reach those retirement years?
1: Well, I spent the last couple of years working on a PhD on that very subject, so I'm, I'm I'm very interested in what's going to happen to the baby boomers as they as they go through the bubble here. You know, the the most important asset financially that a lot of people have is their is Social Security, and they take it too early. Uh, if they wait till they're seventy, it could be over forty thousand a year, growing at inflation. So this is a huge annuity for them, and as they take their Stock portfolios and get closer and closer to retirement, they obviously are going to become more conservative. so the question is what do they do with that? You know do they go to bonds and they risk mark to market and have all the problems of uh, fluctuating interest or low interest like we have today? Do they go into annuities? do they keep some of it invested in the market and so you know this is one of those things that is probably not going to be handled very well by these robo advisors that are out there today where you go online and buy you know buy a portfolio for a nominal fee and think you're going to get you know wisdom which is what we were talking about before so Yeah, are they going to get more conservative? Probably so. Should they? Maybe not. And so it just depends on their circumstances.
0: There's what makes sense, and then there's what people do. Um, (laughs) In a lot of cases, we've seen that over the years, Guy. And tell us a little bit about your books.
1: Well, we have a website called Wealth Teams, and on that is access to a new book I just wrote called The Great Wealth Erosion, where we go through a tremendous amount of information about the four factors that people need to understand in order to be able to survive market turbulence and why fees can be so detrimental to a person's portfolio. Uh, Just as an example, invest uh, a million dollars over 30 years at, say, 10%. If there's a 1% differential in fee, it'll reduce the portfolio by 21%. If there's a 2% differential, it'll reduce it by almost 40%. So fees really are an incredibly important thing to understand how they impact your portfolio. So this book goes into all of that. I have a video series on there as to what happened to my money looking at 2008 and the impact that the ups and downs of the market had on that. I've got several other books, Managed Markets, Not Stock, Investment Alchemy. These are all educational tools to give people more knowledge in order to be able to gain wisdom. And Guy, tell us how long have you been in
0: in financial services business now?
1: Well, I started when I was in college. So I've I have i am unemployable. Uh, un unmanageable <laughs> and unemployable. <laughs> I've never done anything else. So I think I'm uh, entering my 48th year.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And what tell us about your uh, educational background?
1: Well, you know, education in our field breaks into two areas. One is um formal uh sure. studies that is a degree, you know, and then there's certificates. So um, I, I've got a lot of certificates: CFP, CHFC, CLU, RHU, AEP. You know all of those designations, and then I've got three master's degrees, and I'm finishing up this uh, PhD here
0: pretty quick. So you're a your leaders are learners, and uh, you're a learner. You you love to get involved in in really knowing what you're talking about. And what what would you say has distinguished you in your career?
1: You know that's a great question, and I I would guess you know if I if I look at all the skill sets that are required in our business, probably the thing that that I I like to do the most and probably am at the best at is figuring out the Rubik's cube. You know, taking you know all of the various uh, tangential issues and trying to bring them together into one cohesive. Uh, uh, approach and strategy mm-hmm. so uh, you you love puzzles i love puzzles yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you know it,
0: it's just great to have you on the show and uh how do our listeners find out more about you and learn more about your your many books and videos and, and get to know you a little bit better
1: well like i said that website uh, wealthteams.com is a great place to go there's a a whole host of uh, educational materials available on there, either free or through our store. Uh, that book, uh, The Great Wealth Erosion, is free. It's just a download. Uh, the videos are free, and I think you know anybody that would like to know more about what I'm talking about, but not have to get into a situation where the you know they have to have interface. Uh, it's all right there. Uh, it, you know, it's all on that website.
0: That's wealth teams dot com and i'm talking with guy baker of wealth teams guy thanks very much for joining us it's been a real pleasure and i look forward to talking to you again soon
1: well i appreciate very much you having me on here you're doing a great job i think this is a a wonderful service you're providing and thank you for giving me the opportunity
0: thank you very much we're gonna take a short break we'll be right back after this so please stay tuned you're listening to one of many shows on exitcoachradio.com. We're interviewing advisors, authors, and thought leaders for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. If you'd like to be a guest on any of our shows, go to guest.exitcoachradio.com. Exitcoachradio.com. Come listen for a minute.